Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. One of my favorite school activities is when we would all assemble in the auditorium or gymnasium to have a special speaker show up and give us a talk on some crime or something we should avoid. One time I think the Harlem Wizards came and played basketball. That was pretty cool. And another time we had those people who played basketball on donkeys. A lot of our events were basketball-centric. I didn't realize that till right now. But I do remember one particular speaker that had quite an effect on me. And it was a group that was for the POW MIAs that people believed were still being held in Vietnam at the time. Now, I'm saying that without any education, just through the lens of what I knew back then. I've never really investigated further what these people believed in. All I can say is that by the time the speaking engagement was over, a whole bunch of my friends and I were really, really convinced that there were still POWs being held in Vietnam and Southeast Asia from the Vietnam War era. Now, I had seen TV shows mentioning this, and this went far into the 80s. I think even in the last season of Magnum P.I., they deal with POWs coming home finally. So this was going strong throughout the entire 1980s. Feelings for these lost men were so strong in my school that I think a petition was passed around that got them to put up a flag, one of those flags, POW, MIA, you will not be forgotten, and I think we did some fundraising around it. This led to a bunch of Vietnam-era, I guess, nostalgia or exploration might be a better word in movies and entertainment. My friends wanted to watch any movie that had anything to do with the era and the war, and a big hit in our group was Rambo even to the point where everybody had to have a Rambo knife in order to be cool. Now, I'm not so sure they've ever proven that POWs were being held in Southeast Asia up into the 80s. I don't know, but the entertainment at the time really did shine a spotlight on the contributions of the soldiers who went and fought in that war. On today's show, I'd like to talk a little bit about Rambo a character who would come to personify the Vietnam experience, for better or for worse. I'm going to concentrate on the first film, First Blood, sometimes known as Rambo or Rambo First Blood, but I'll also touch on some of the other Rambo things that happened, including the sequels, but mainly this will be about First Blood. I'm going to talk about the stars of the film, production of the film, its reception, and its release on home video. Metagirl's here with a new top five list. Vic Sage will be joining us, and for the first time this week, Doug will be filling you in with what was going on in movie theaters at the time of First Blood's release with his brand new segment, Also Ran. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
First Blood was a 1982 action film directed by Ted Kotcheff, starred Sylvester Stallone, Richard Crenna, and Brian Dennehy. The film is about a troubled, I guess that's a good word, Vietnam vet who runs afoul of a sheriff in a small town and gets pushed over the edge and starts to revert back to his training. The book that the film is based on was written by David Morell, born in Kitchener, Ontario, probably best known for his book, First Blood, but he has written at least 27 other novels and did a pretty good Captain America miniseries a couple of years ago. Morell, in interviews, has said that he was inspired to write the book after hearing from students he was teaching about their experiences in Vietnam. He started writing the book in 1968, and it would be released in 1972. In 72, he sold the film rights to Columbia Pictures, who would then sell the film rights to Warner Brothers. Trading and selling of this film would continue for another decade, and 18 screenplays would be written based on the book. Eventually, the film would find its way back to Warner Brothers, and Ted Kotcheff was offered the project. He had a couple of screenplays to choose from, so he chose one done by Michael Kozel and William Sackheim. Kotcheff liked the idea of Sylvester Stallone in the role and sent him a script. After reading it quickly, Stallone decided to take the role, but he was not the only one who was offered this role in its many, many years of pre-production. A lot of actors were offered the role and turned it down. People like Al Pacino, Clint Eastwood, Paul Newman, Nick Nolte, Steve McQueen, John Travolta, James Garner, and Michael Douglas. Interestingly, Dustin Hoffman and... John Travolta didn't want to do the movie because they thought it was going to be too violent. Although if you watch all the Rambo movies, First Blood is the least violent of all those movies. Al Pacino, on the other hand, wanted John to be crazy. So I guess it would have been even more violent. But they decided they didn't want to go in that direction, so Pacino turned it down. For the role that Brian Dennehy would take, the role of Sheriff Teasel, the guy who tangles with Rambo, the part was offered to Gene Hackman and Robert Duvall, who both turned it down. Lee Marvin was offered the role of Colonel Troutman, the man who trained John Rambo and comes to try to help him. He turned it down, and Kirk Douglas was offered the role and took it, but he didn't like the way the film was going to end. He wanted it to end like it did in the book, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. He quit, and the film was offered to Rock Hudson, Hudson was having some health problems at the time. Eventually, Richard Crenna was given the role, and he did a great job with it. Today's show is brought to you by your local body shop. If your car has been totaled by Rambo, bring it to your body shop. We have a beauty salon for cars. We have a beauty salon for cars. He's fake fenders, hood and dome. Give it paint and fix the chrome. You'll think you're driving a new car home from a beauty salon for cars love those body shops. The film locations are beautiful. Pacific Northwest, it was shot in British Columbia, Canada in the winter, which is pretty amazing since you see Stallone wears pretty much just a either a piece of leather or a tank top throughout the whole movie. Commitment to a role. Filming seemed kind of dangerous, lots of stunts. Stallone broke the nose of one of the stuntmen during a prison escape scene and during the scene when Rambo escapes on the motorcycle, there was a stuntman injured while driving the patrol car, suffered a pretty bad back injury. He continued to film, real professional. And there's a scene where Sheriff Teasel, the guy who's chasing Rambo's car, flips and rolls over an embankment. That was not supposed to happen, but they liked the way it looked. 
They put Brian Dennehy, who was playing Teasel, into the car to have the complete scene, and so this sort of serious flub becomes part of the movie. Stallone himself was injured when he tried to jump off a cliff during one of his own stunts and hit a tree branch while falling. You notice when Rambo hits the ground, he shouts in pain, and that's because Stallone himself was very much in pain. The film had a budget of $11 million, but as filming went on, costs soared to $17 million. This would eventually push production of Rocky III back, which is costly for Stallone because outside of the Rocky franchise, his movies were not doing that well, and Rambo was pretty much the first of his non-Rocky movies that didn't bomb, and it showed people that he could be more than Rocky Balboa. So a little bit about the plot. If you have not seen First Blood, you might want to go watch it before listening to this. It's a good enough movie that even if you listen to this, you should want to see it. John Rambo is a former member of U.S. Special Forces, Medal of Honor, all these great things. He's out and wandering America, up somewhere, visiting a friend who he thinks is still alive. Turns out his friend died of cancer caused by Agent Orange exposure. This was a chemical they used to destroy jungle during that era, and I think it's been shown that it caused cancer. He's real bummed, starts wandering still. He starts heading into the town of Hope, Washington. Kind of looks kind of crazy looking, so the sheriff who spots him decides that he's probably a no-good Nick and decides to drive him out of town in his police car. Rambo doesn't want to hear that, starts heading back into town. This makes the sheriff angry, and he arrests him. Everybody treats Rambo pretty poorly in prison, and... Rambo starts having flashbacks to his time in Vietnam and escapes. Things go very bad as Rambo tries and tries and tries to keep getting away from a larger and larger force. They eventually bring in the National Guard to try to catch him. None of it is successful. They eventually bring in the guy who trained Rambo, Colonel Troutman, and this doesn't really work out well. Rambo is forced to go into town and starts blowing everything up. Eventually, Rambo takes down Teasel and is about to kill him when Troutman steps forward and talks him down. There's a very strong relationship between Rambo and Troutman. You'll see that Troutman is sort of the Dr. Frankenstein, and Rambo would be his monster that he created. And you can see that it's a very close relationship. The only thing that can pretty much turn Rambo off once he becomes this killing machine, and the only one he'll listen to is the man who helped create him. Now they walk out together, but this was not the original ending. There was another ending for Rambo filmed, one where he commits suicide at the end. This was shown to test audiences who thought that it was way too bleak, and so they decided to make Rambo live, which is good because there would be many, many sequels. If you read the book, it's even more tense. Rambo gets into a shooting match with Teasel and is hoping Teasel will kill him. When that doesn't happen, Rambo's going to blow himself up, but it's up to Troutman to actually have to destroy his own monster, his own creation. So more of that Dr. Frankenstein thing in the book than in the movie. So a little bit about the cast of Rambo. Sylvester Stallone played John Rambo. Sylvester Gardenzio Stallone, sometimes known as Sly. American actor, director, probably best known for Rocky and or Rambo. Richard Crenna played Colonel Troutman. Crenna passed away in 2003. Actor in tons of stuff, probably best known to modern audiences from his role in Rambo, but he also played Walter Denton in the CBS radio and CBS TV network series Our Miss Brooks, so back in the day. If you watched this stuff, you probably know him from there. 
He also had a fun role in Hot Shots Part 2, if you're a fan of the Hot Shots movies. Brian Dennehy played Sheriff Will Teasel. Dennehy is a character actor, been a lot of stuff. His breakthrough role was probably as Will Teasel in First Blood. But he worked in some other great movies. He was in Semi-Tough with Burt Reynolds, Ten with Dudley Moore, Foul Play with Chevy Chase. He also had a great role in Cocoon. And for more modern audiences, Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. Those are the three main characters, but rounding out the cast, you had Bill McKinney as State Police Captain David Kern. Character actor, has appeared in seven Clint Eastwood movies. Jack Starrett played Deputy Sergeant Arthur Galt, passed away in 1989. Michael Talbot played Deputy Balford. Talbot would also play Detective Stanley Switek in Miami Vice. Chris Mulkey played Deputy Ward. American actor has appeared in Cloverfield and the Knight Rider TV movie. Alf Humphreys played Deputy Lester, did a lot of work on TV, continues to work today. His breakthrough role, though, would be considered First Blood. In 2010, he appeared in Diary of a Wimpy Kid and then played the same role in the sequel, Roderick Rules. And finally, last but not least, yet David Caruso as Deputy Mitch. This was maybe David Caruso's, I guess, breakthrough role, but he would really come to prominence as Detective John Kelly on NYPD Blue, and of course as Lieutenant Horatio Kane on CSI Miami. And now here's Vic Sage with a brand new edition of Why Should I Know This Person? Hello friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? And this week, I'm shining the spotlight on Jack Starrett, who played the villainous Art Galt in First Blood. Jack was born Claude Ennis Starrett Jr. on November 2, 1936. He obtained his first film role in 1965 as Coach Jennings in Like Father, Like Son, a role he would reprise in The Young Sinner in the 1987 version of Like Father, Like Son, starring the late great Dudley Moore and Growing Pains' Kirk Cameron. By the way, the original 1965 version of Like Father, Like Son is a serious drama and has nothing to do with a father switching bodies with his son for the day. Starrett would begin his career playing tough police officers with Hell's Angels on Wheels and The Born Losers in 1967. The Born Losers was the film that introduced cult anti-hero Billy Jack. Starrett also starred in Mel Brooks' 1974 satire Blazing Saddles as Gabby Johnson, a parody of the legendary Western character actor Gabby Hayes. After his role in First Blood, Starrett went on to play the cruel foreman Swick in Mark Rydell's 1984 film The River, starring Mel Gibson, Sissy Spacek, and Scott Glenn. Besides being an actor, Starrett also directed feature films and television. Notable TV shows he directed include Planet of the Apes, Beyond Westworld, The Dukes of Hazard, and Hill Street Blues. Starrett also appeared in Hill Street Blues, Hunter, The A-Team, and in three episodes of Knight Rider, each time as a different character. This is Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off. Thanks, Vic. The music from First Blood was composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith. The theme is called It's a Long Road and would be featured in the three sequels to Rambo and, of course, the animated spinoff. The soundtrack was originally released on LP 
although it was edited out of sequence. The soundtrack would eventually get a release on CD with an extra track called No Power. And then finally, the complete score was released on a two-CD set, along with a remastered version of the original album in 2010. Was First Blood popular? You better believe it. It would go on to gross $6.6 million on its opening weekend, and the film grossed $47 million domestically and $125 million worldwide. For a film with a slight budget, those aren't bad numbers. If you wanted to know what was going on that week in theaters, here's Doug with his brand new segment, Also Ran. Hey, I'm Doug, and this is Also Rants. What also ran in theaters in 1982 alongside First Blood? Who shared space with John Rambo in movie houses and multiplexes that year? Well, there were aliens, barbarians, cavemen, monsters, programs, and a whole host of others. Hitting the theaters a couple months before First Blood were movies like Quest for Fire, Death Wish 2, Cat People, Conan the Barbarian, Annie, Rocky 3, Star Trek 2, Poltergeist, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, Firefox, Blade Runner, John Carpenter's The Thing, The Secret of Nim, Tron, Forced Vengeance, The Pirate Movie, Friday the 13th Part 3, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, The Beastmaster, and Amityville 2, The Possession. And then in theaters at the same time that Rambo walks into Teasel's town, we have movies like Halloween 3, The Man from Snowy River, Creep Show, The Last Unicorn, 48 Hours, Gandhi, The Toy, Sophie's Choice, Airplane 2, Savannah Smiles, Tootsie, and The Dark Crystal. How did Rambo do against all this competition? Well, not as well as he did against Brian Dennehy. He came in 13th for the year. Behind E.T., behind Rocky, behind Star Trek II, behind Poltergeist, even behind Gandhi. But when you're talking about a year as great as 1982 was for movies, 13th really isn't that bad of a place. I'm Doug, and this has been Also Rands. Thanks, Doug. Since Rambo did not kill himself at the end of First Blood, we were lucky enough to have multiple sequels. In 1985, you had Rambo First Blood Part 2. This one has Rambo actually returning to Vietnam to rescue some POWs. In 1988, we had Rambo 3. In this one, Rambo heads to Afghanistan. And then finally, in 2008, you had Rambo or Rambo 4. In this one, Rambo is hired by a church pastor to help rescue a group of missionaries who were kidnapped by soldiers in Burma. This film did pretty well at the box office, but also has the unique distinction of having more killings than any other movie in the Rambo series, with a death tally of 236. That's a lot more than the first movie, which just has one fatality. Stallone made a bunch of Rambos, but he also made some other movies. Now here's Metagirl with a brand new top five list all about Sylvester Stallone. Five, four, three, two, one. Greetings, retro fans. This is Metagirl bringing you the top five most underrated Sylvester Stallone films of all time. 
At number five is 1993's Cliffhanger. Despite its box office credentials, Cliffhanger does not get the appreciation it deserves. It's an early 90s fresh and dizzying spin on the then overtaxed action genre, and Stallone delivers a subdued performance opposite a superb John Lithgow. Number four is 1975's Death Race 2000. Silly and over-the-top, Death Race 2000 lets Stallone cut loose as machine gun Joe Viterbo, who hates losing. Chewing through dialogue that's often laughable, Stallone is a perfect foil for Carradine's Frankenstein. Number three is 1998's Ants. Although overshadowed by the much more successful Bugs Life, Ants is a sharp film that appeals to grown-ups as well as kids, and much of that appeal can be attributed to Stallone's rich characterization of supporting character The Bulky Weaver. At number two is 2003's Shade. Stallone plays a legendary card shark, The Dean, in this complex crime drama. The film did not get a wide release in theaters, but it's worth tracking down, and a big reason for that is Stallone, who adds real power to a film filled with twists, betrayals, and a satisfying ending. And the number one most underrated Sylvester Stallone film is... 1974's Lords of Flatbush. This often overlooked coming-of-age story casts Stallone as Stanley, a young man with some big decisions to make. Set in the Flatbush neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, Stallone flexed both his acting and writing muscles for this role, drawing on his own experience as a New York native to rewrite some of his character's dialogue to make the character more believable. And there you have it, the Retroist's top five most underrated Sylvester Stallone films of all time. Until next time, Liz fans, this has been Metagirl. Thanks, Metagirl. In addition to being able to get First Blood and all the Rambo movies on home video, there were many other places you could get your Rambo fix. There was Rambo video games, Rambo comic books, even a Rambo animated series, Rambo and the Forces of Freedom. Anywhere and everywhere, the savage forces of General Warhawk threaten the peace-loving people of the world. There's only one man to call. Get me Rambo. skyscrapers to the canyons of remote mountain peaks liberty's champion is unstoppable rambo helped by the mechanical genius known as turbo and the master of disguises named cat the honor-bound protector of the innocent rambo the force of freedom Rambo started out as a very serious character, one with a lot of problems. But as the movies go on, he sort of morphs into this super soldier who can do anything. You bring him in to solve any problems. That is why I like First Blood of all the movies the best. Because you get to see some depth to a character. I find that this happens with lots of movies that have sequels. The first one tends to be the one with heart. And then as you go forward, you get sillier and sillier as you try to bring the audience in to a plot or a character that they know too much about. This doesn't mean that the other Rambos aren't real fun to watch and don't have moments of drama in them. They're just not as dramatic and certainly not as well written as the first movie. So if you haven't seen First Blood, it's available on home video. You can buy it online. I suggest you take a look at it. You will not be disappointed. The three main actors in it are top of their game, great, great actors. Stallone really delivers. If you have the opportunity to listen to the commentary tracks on any of the home video releases, they are filled with details about the character. And if you have the opportunity to check out deleted scenes, do. 
because if anything, they're going to add a little bit more of an appreciation for the character. At the very least, if you're in the mood for some Rambo and you want it to be lighthearted, check out Rambo and the Forces of Freedom, or fire up your old Nintendo or Commodore 64 and play yourself some Rambo video games. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. Thanks to Peachy for the music you hear throughout the show. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Metagirl for another great top five list. If you have some feedback from Metagirl, you can email her at metagirl at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have some feedback for Vic, you can find him on the Retroist.com website almost all the time, or you can email him at VicSage at Retroist.com. Thanks to Doug McCoy for his brand new segment, Also Ran. You can find more information about Doug McCoy at The Retroist, where he's a regular poster, or at his personal website, where you'll find information about his own podcast and books, authordougmccoy.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. One of the deleted scenes, Stallone is seen going in Stallone Rambo. <laughs> in one of the so in one of the deleted scenes, Stallone is seen going into a bar with his buddies. Stallone Rambo Rambo is seen going into the bar. Uh, they're the same person. Rambo Stallone Rocky. It's all the same. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye. <laughs>